All right, guys, welcome back for another podcast. This week, we have a veterinary student, Bree Kraut, from Michigan State. So here we go. into it a little bit <laughs> yeah all right here we go all right so another yeah. another cast yeah we're just at 51 we've we've 51 yep we're on our way to the century mark at this point nice which uh, feels really weird to say yeah because i just like had to re-download like a nine through 11 because rebecca like wrote all the questions for the ce stuff oh sure 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 so I'm like, i have to go back and rewatch these now yeah this is weird yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, and I mean, it might it might behoove us to, you know, I mean, those are really good, but as far as getting it onto, like, the education portal, I mean, there's a lot of, like, I think we can expand, like, there's a, there's an in-between, like, Probably. currently the education portal has, like, really just quick, like, two-minute ones, yeah. and then the podcast where it's, like, here's 60 minutes of just <laughs> fucking rambling, <laughs> you know, and that was, that, was, that was when we were really figuring out talk path, too, yeah. you know, yeah. now we have... Well, over 50 hours. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, today we have Bree Kraut yeah. in the studio with us. Uh, Bree is a third year veterinary student at Michigan State. Um, so what we did was said, hey, you're here. Right. You're on your first rotation. And why not take an hour for us to kind of talk about kind of your educational path and how it's been switching from basically sitting in front of your computer for the last year uh, to now actually getting your boots on the ground a little bit and uh, getting into clinical rotations and kind of what you're hoping for. And then also have an opportunity to ask whatever random questions you might yeah. have. So <laughs> yeah. uh, for those that are listening or watching, we have no idea what those questions are. I'm a little bit anxious, but I'm uh, more excited. Mm. So it's totally worth it. Yeah, it's how it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on stage all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah and even, even in that context, just to give context, the last few podcasts we've been doing um, is just that. We've actually been looking at a little bit more like veterinary student directed content, but we've been hitting it kind of like from all angles where it's like first year grads to then a few years out to, you know, the under. And so trying to just get multiple different perspectives um, to give context. And I think a lot of it is the familiarity of people who are also in your shoes um, to just, you know, say, Hey, really, this is kind of a shared experience, you know, cause especially with COVID you're like stuck into this little bubble, you know, and then plus with uh, well, like, uh, Brianna Potter. I mean, she's coming here in a couple months. She actually then was in quote unquote in clinics mm -hmm. during that COVID time. So it's kind of the same thing. Like, how do you go from having like hands on experience to then like, well, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, and well, now we have to shut this rotation down because of someone got it or is on quarantine or, you know, so mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's, it can be a whole different thing, but, um, but yeah, so uh, anyway, but yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I mean, not to put you on the spot, super hard to talk about yourself. <laughs> Hopefully we broke the ice with our uh, pre-recorded content yeah. uh, shenanigans. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, yeah. The floor so, is yours. Yeah, where'd you come from? Yeah. Uh, well, currently I live in East Lansing, Michigan, but I went to high school in Bay City, Michigan, okay. and my parents live in Sterling, Michigan, so kind of... Uh, more from uh, northern Michigan, northern lower, lower peninsula. peninsula yes. Okay, yes. Yep. I know that's a thing here. Yep. Are you from the top of Michigan or the bottom <laughs> of Michigan? 
or yeah. under the bridge or yeah i, I was gonna say you you're a, say. you're a northern troll isn't uh, isn't no, that no, no, the no. trolls live under the bridge yeah. yeah. Oh, Northern Troll. Yeah. Yeah. Northern sorry, sorry, Troll. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah see? Yeah, I messed it up. <laughs> and Trevor, actually, one of our techs, he actually says that the UP is more Wisconsin than it is Michigan. That's true. Because it's attached. You know, and it's He's like, not wrong. Right. <laughs> true. <laughs> All right. But anyway, sorry. Keep going. So that's where I'm from. Um, growing up, I at my parents' property, I grew up with horses and dogs and cats, so... Uh, have been around animals my whole life. Uh, I guess for veterinary medicine, what led me into it is my cat growing up uh, was a cat that we adopted and his eye got infected. And so we took him to the vet and tried different antibiotics. Nothing was working. So the vet ended up having to remove my cat's eye. So I now know a nucleation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Know the procedure. So that, <laughs> that was like the highlight of my year this yes. year when we had our eye lab. And I was like, oh, so this is actually what happened to my cat when I was eight years old. <laughs> yes. So anyways... Uh, vet had to take out my cat's eye and he was like, you know, he might not be as good as at hunting and things like that, but he'll still be a good cat. Like Mm -hmm. this cat caught moles, caught birds, Uh everything and was the best cat ever. So that was like my, why do you want to be a vet moment kind Mm -hmm. of thing? Because like that cat meant so much to me. So I just know how important it was to me that the vet was able to do that. So I was like, well, I want to be able to do that for other kids essentially. Mm -hmm. So, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. I mean, so I started volunteering at that clinic when I was like 15 and then I started working there when I was 16 and then at my high school, we were fortunate enough to have a career center. So I did oh, sure. like the veterinary science program my junior year of high school. And then my senior year, we had where you could do a co-op program. So mm-hmm. I actually worked at a vet that I had um, mentored at for or was a mentee at my junior year through that program. And so I worked there in the mornings and then went to high school in the afternoon. So I was going to say, did you get like school credit for it yeah. or whatever? Yeah. 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 That's legit. That's a similar experience for myself. We had that same opportunity. Yeah. Junior, senior year, you know, where you could take like high school credit and mm-hmm. actually go then. Uh, I, I don't think it was, I don't believe it was paid, but still it's pretty legit. Right. You know, you could just leave school or show up late and that's what you did for class credit. That was like way better. As I schooler. just don't understand the concept of having a career path in junior year of high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't know what, I didn't yeah. know which foot to put my shoes on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean that, um, and actually, so um, uh, Hilda Mahia Brayu at Michigan State, uh, she was actually, her and I were talking uh, in the, within the last year or so, but that was actually one of the points of conversation was that uh, as a veterinary industry, we have to integrate more with high school students mm-hmm. because a lot of them, even as early as ninth grade, are starting to choose career paths and sort of what is it that they want to do long term. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always kind of made the joke, like my, my high school was, they, they were like, respectable from a high school standpoint. So growing up as Michigan, it was city high. Um, they actually did sort of treat as like adults with rules, you know? So mm-hmm. I always kind of make a joke about like high school 
it's like um, uh, graduation minus one day. You have to ask to go to the bathroom. Graduation plus one day. You're an adult now. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. So when you have that opportunity at the high school level to really start to think about what is those long-term goals, it's not as daunting to graduate high school and be like, well, now what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we talk about um, with the uh, mentorship program at Michigan State, so the house system. Right. Um, that was actually then kind of the same thing. Like, hey, can we start to integrate these ideas of professional development as first-year veterinary students mm-hmm. have four years to develop the idea of what are we going to do graduation plus one day mm-hmm. because it's a very similar experience you go from being a veterinary student where you're you know uh, culturally or hierarchically like the bottom of the totem pole and then graduation plus one day it's like okay you got to do it all now and it's like what, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what? you're a real doctor yeah what are we <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> so uh so yeah so uh but yeah then coming into uh, like you said you had that experience kind of in high school where it's just you know that idea of professional development um to then lead into college so did, were, did you uh bleed green and white right from the get-go michigan state through undergrad and all that or yeah yeah I did. So I went to Michigan State for undergrad, and when I started, my major was zoology because I wanted to be a zoo vet, Mm -hmm. and I don't know why I had this idea, but I thought that I had to be zoology, and so I talked to my uh, counselor, and I ended up changing it to animal science, and I did take some zoology classes. And the whole zoo vet thing kind of came from that elephants are my favorite animal. Oh, okay. I mean, they're so, legit. They're yeah. legit. Yeah. So, yeah. but anyways. Also the most deadly for veterinarians, like, you know, per capita. But they're good. <laughs> yeah. They're good. They're good. <laughs> uh, but so while in college, I actually did a study abroad in Thailand in oh, 2014 nice. where I went to Elephant Nature Park. I don't know if they've changed the name since, but... I went there, and I was there for two weeks and worked with uh, Dr. Erica Ward, who's also a MSU grad. So I worked with her, and we treated everything from elephants to water buffalo, dogs, cats, because, like, after I think the tsunami that happened there was Uh in, like, 2006. So after that, they have, like, hundreds of dogs on their property. They have hundreds of cats. They have, like, 30-some elephants. Jesus. So that was that experience. And then, um, yeah, so I graduated with my bachelor's in animal science with a concentration in animal biology slash pre-vet. So... I graduated and I applied to vet school my senior year and I didn't get interviews or accepted anywhere. So the year after I graduated, I was working in a small animal clinic in East Lansing. And then I also was taking like additional science classes that I hadn't taken in undergrad that Mm. um, potentially like were required for other schools besides Michigan State. Gotcha. Or like to just boost my science GPA in general. So I took classes at Lansing Community College and then I applied again and I actually got into uh, Lincoln Memorial University and uh, Iowa State. But then I had the whole like debacle of how am I gonna afford like $50,000 a year plus and then like 
some of these schools don't allow you to get residency. Yes. So it's that yeah, the whole time. Most. <laughs> yeah, most of them. That's a better statement. Yeah. And so then it just becomes like, how am I going to have a life after yeah. graduating yeah. if I have all this debt? Yeah. So through talking to multiple people, like previous veterinarians that I had worked for, advisors, yeah. etc., I decided to... Uh, decide not to go out of state and yeah. so then the next Which year a, a very smart decision yeah like <laughs> so yeah so the next year i uh worked i got a job at our the michigan state swine farm because oh, yeah. i didn't really have large animal yeah. experience beyond yeah, yeah. my uh the small animal stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, beyond uh, small animal stuff in my study abroad. Yeah, so yep. I was like, well, I'll get this experience and add that to my bundle of extra science classes. Yeah, and now yeah. I have this large experience, animal experience. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked there for a year and then I applied again. And um, I still got in out of state, but then I got accepted to Michigan State. So I was like, okay, here yeah, we right. go. Here like, we go. Yes. We're going. Wait. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. So, yes. Yeah, so I had graduated undergrad in 2016 and then started vet school in 2018. Okay. Um, okay. So that's yep, yep, yep. how I got. I, I think that's I think that's a wonderful story, to be perfectly honest, because I think we all have these little things that, like, almost culturally, like, we're not supposed to talk about or, like, we don't want to talk about. Like, mm-hmm. my big thing is I, I failed boards. You know, like everyone is floored that I fi- that I failed boards, and it's like well, I don't study, but like <laughs> it was a, it was a bad decision. Like my my the decision making I had up to that point was just like I'm not going to study. I know what I, I know, so I just took them, and they're like, so I passed everything, but botched equine. Like I got like in the 40th percentile of horses. Like it was bad, uh, and that dropped me down far enough that I didn't pass boards. So I was just like. Ah fine uh, but then again you know you don't want to hear about like oh i didn't pass board oh carla didn't pass board well he didn't well now no one talks about it and i was like, oh i'm a veterinarian and practicing i can do the job so but at that at that point in time it was like this i mean i didn't think it was a big deal but everyone's like oh my god it's this whole you know what if you don't pass the second time i'm like oh, i'm gonna pass the second time so it's kind of that same idea where it's like oh i didn't get into vet school for the, for right away what am i supposed to do mm-hmm. so i mean even with employees that we have now where they're currently mss and they've applied to veterinary school and it's like you didn't get in it's like that doesn't mean that's the end of the road right that that's just one of the steps in the road and like you said you never lost sight of what the goal was and that's we say it a lot on the podcast um is that you you know write your plans in sand and your goals in stone mm-hmm. you know the goal was to get into veterinary school well, the plan's going to change as you get along the way mm-hmm. didn't get here didn't get here and then you pardon me you weigh all options well if i go out of state there's the financial expense of financial investment and again I, I i think that at least me personally i think there needs to be some degree of residency exception for higher education like for a higher degree or advanced degrees yeah that's weird that they didn't let you do that no, my, my brother went to don't. northern illinois for law school and he flipped his residency down there because it yeah. cut his tuition in half well and so and that's the that's the debate then so it's like you can't get re- to my knowledge you can't get residency while you're a student so you have to go to that state live and work as an adult to then gain residency mm-hmm. and then apply back to school is that a university rule or is it a state rule well it's uh it's a university okay so it is university driven where they want residents to have in-state tuition but i believe again to my knowledge that there are oh. stipulations on what is then considered in state but you cannot get in-state yeah. residency while a student that's crazy yeah so you have to so so that that's the problem is because then 
then what you're doing is you're saying, okay, well, I'm going to apply to three different veterinary schools, four different veterinary schools. And it's like, oh, well, shit now. Okay. Well, last year I got into Iowa. So does that mean I have to go move to Iowa, live in Iowa for enough time to then be a resident? Mm -hmm. And then you work there for two years, apply to veterinary school, and then don't get in after then having lived there for two (laughs) years. Like, damn it. Right. You know. So that's how, like I said, for me, I mean, it's not like I'm going to move that mountain, but for me, yeah. it, it would make sense that your your advanced degrees uh, at least allow for sort of in-state, you know, and, and or kind of abolish the out-of-state tuition idea, which again, don't get me started on uh, <laughs> higher education expense, which is a whole different thing. But uh, anyway, <coughs> Bernie. So the the big thing though, but like I said, I, I, I'm, thank you for sharing that because I, I think, you know, yeah. a lot of the listeners and everyone, even for people that are in undergraduate or whatever, like they really do need to hear that. that yeah. it's, once yeah. you kind of set your sight on the goal, like you don't lose your sight of the goal. Because, uh, I mean, you, it's like not accepting the, def- the quote unquote the defeat. It's just like, oh, just got to have a different plan this year. Try again mm-hmm. next year. Oh, just got to have a different plan this year. Try again next year. Um, and that's, uh, I think, what we pitch all the time is growth mindset. Mm-hmm. It's just looking for that success. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I guess what was that process kind of like for you? I mean, it sounds like, you know, looking in hindsight, it's kind of like, well, I didn't get in. So I just adjusted and, and I made the next step and then I adjusted again and I took the next step. Um, kind of how was your mental state through that? And how did you kind of push through? I mean, I think at first, like anyone, I was like very upset and thought yeah. it was the end of the world. But yeah. like, then yeah. I was just like, well, you know, I mean, it just gives me a chance to do other things, basically. So, I mean, like like I said, the first year out, I worked in a small animal clinic, and I had worked in small animal clinics before, but um, just like a new hospital in a new area. So I had that new experience. And then uh, I also officiate ice hockey, so I'm very big into that. So those two years between undergrad and vet school, I, like, could practically work any games anywhere that I wanted because I Mm -hmm. had that flexibility. Um, So, I mean, I think if anything, and then I worked at the swine farm the year before I got into vet school. So, honestly, I think if if anything, it helped me for school in the long run because I got those additional experiences. And then, I mean, just getting into vet school, I feel like that's only, like, half the battle. So, like, once you're in, (laughs) like... Great, but yeah, you gotta yeah. stay there. Yeah, so yeah. it built me up and prepared me for a whole nother set of things that I would have to persevere through in the end, yeah. anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, perspective. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. just um, one of the things that I think generation generationally is going away, unfortunately, is that's the story of my, how Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team when he was a freshman, <laughs> and it's like that was the one thing that pissed him off bad enough to be the greatest in the whole world. <laughs> Yes. Like, that's one of my favorite stories ever. Yeah. And, I mean, not to say that, to, to set the expectation of you being the Michael Jordan of vet med, that's an unfair expectation. Yeah. But but I, th- I think that's a, that's a cool insight that you have in the fact that it's like, this kind of prepared me for the a- absolute survival that the first two years of vet med, or yeah. er, er, vet school, excuse me, is of just slamming your brain full of stuff um, and just having to be able to be flexible in your plan um, and yeah. acknowledging that if you fail an exam or whatever it is, it's like, yeah, this is just the next step. Yeah. So I just got to adjust. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I think a part of it is, you know, kind of that participation trophy generation, yeah. you know, where it's just like there's this innate fear in actually failing. Like it's yep. 
but there really isn't like, and I, we talk about this all the time. Like I just see those falls or those failures as opportunities for growth. Like why, why, why did that actually happen though? And then what's the solution? Mm-hmm. So, and that's again, where perseverance comes from. So mm-hmm. it, like you said, it sets you up for going through clinics, but then also getting out into practice and then those kind of like stumbles in case management, but then also like culture management, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, this employee quit or we're having conflict here or that policy is not right. You know, or like, I'm part of an administrative group and we kind of problem solved that obviously this is the solution for uh, inventory, but it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So it's all the same stuff. It's, you know, it's really just a matter of how you sort of take those falls and you take those failures. So yeah, no, that, that that's why, like I said, thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I don't, I, you probably do, but I would just like to acknowledge how powerful of an experience that actually mm-hmm. is to just keep going mm-hmm. because who has had those experiences and then just stopped i yeah. mean that's the big difference is you just don't stop mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. right yeah and then you get in yeah <laughs> and then it's <laughs> right so uh and, and we've we've had a few other people talk about their kind of vet school experiences but everyone's is a little bit different um and with you being actually in uh, on the podcast the most proximate to the didactic learning side of yeah. anybody that's yeah, actually yeah, yeah, ever yeah. been on here yeah, yeah, yeah. how how is how has the last two years been and just that that cram process of all of this stuff Yeah, well, like I said, getting in (laughs) was a hard part, but I feel like a lot of my struggles were also in school. So the first year um, was probably one of my favorite years just because at Michigan State, we're the first class of the new curriculum. So as the first year... That's right. Yeah, yeah. So as the first year, we are like basically all hands on, like a lot of the my colleagues in this classes above me like their first year like they didn't touch a horse until like halfway through their second year or something like that whereas like my first year in like the first month i had like done things with dogs done things with cats like Mm -hmm. yeah been around the horses Mm -hmm. like all this stuff Mm -hmm. all this hands-on experience um so i mean for me the first year was great because i'm a hands-on and visual learner so like i learned by seeing and doing not just being talked at and Mm -hmm. same so that was highly (laughs) beneficial for me read see it done you know yeah in (laughs) yeah and then coming into year two uh that was the worst year (laughs) yeah (laughs) by far um and it was i feel like it was almost kind of harder for my class because um we had went from this hands-on mentality to where we did prep work the night before and then in class it was reinforced and then reinforced with labs Mm -hmm. but then we come into second year and all of a sudden they're throwing lectures at us and like maybe we had two labs so it's like okay first we had to adjust to this hands-on mentality which for me I loved but Mm -hmm. then second year it's like okay now we're like almost taking a step back to go back to lectures so then it's like the whole different like retraining of the mind yeah Yeah, so second year was like you said like thanks for sharing the whole not getting accepted (laughs) well then second year hits and uh my lowest grade first year i think was immunology yeah and so then second year i ended up failing immunology Uh, in the fall and so then we go into the spring semester and i think i failed nervous system by two (sighs) percent and i'm just like Okay, I'm yes. not going to be a neurologist. Like, I know how to localize a lesion, yeah. but yeah. 
<laughs> right. And yeah. so then yeah. March happens and we go into all of a sudden we are online. So we go, yeah. we started our urinary system class, had a week of it, went on spring break and then never came back. Yes. So then we're like, okay, well now we're learning via Zoom. Yeah, from hands-on to then hard lecture to then, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nobody knows how to work Zoom. Yeah. So we're doing- Instructors, Zo- yeah. Yeah. yeah, nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. so we're doing Zoom and then all of a sudden we have exams from home and oh, what do you know? Your dog's coming into the kitchen or yeah. into my bedroom crying outside my door because she wants to be in the same room as me. Yes, yes. So that was like a whole nother situation. So we like finished up on Zoom and then um, our professors for the most part were really flexible with us. So for urinary system, we actually had open book note exams because it was Mm -hmm. just like in the middle of it. They didn't have time to like structure anything, like think about anything, plan anything out. And then we had our cardio system course, which was the same way, just open note exams. Hmm. And then our last course was our endocrine system. And then it was like another wrench in the plans because we had been used to, oh, like open note exams, like all this stuff. Oh, no, it's back to closed book. So then we have to like have this monitoring system that like watches us take yes, exams yes. from home. They watch your eyes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and Why then did like you look away from the yeah. screen for thirteen seconds. Yeah, and like pick up <laughs> noise. I zoned out for a minute. Sorry. Right. Yeah, and I'm someone that like talks to myself during mm. exams oh, and like yeah. writes stuff out, and then I'm like just staring off into space, and I'm like, I hope they don't think I'm cheating. <laughs> right. But yeah, so then I ended up. Failing another class, I failed yeah. endocrine by literally like less than a percent, like point yeah. zero zero six or something. And I'm like, what happened to the rounding system? Right. Like, I thought if you're above five, <laughs> that right. you're good. Yeah, right. So right. anyways, this was a whole struggle for me. So I ended up retaking immunology and endocrine system in the summer mm. and like how it worked out with oh, working I suppose, yeah. yeah with how with it worked out with working things out with my school i retook nervous system during this school year so basically i re- suppose the virtual part probably played to your benefit just a little bit for retaking for retake, yeah. Yeah. yeah so i retook them in the summer and basically when you retake the classes at least at michigan state it's like self study and then yeah. like you can meet with the professors and things like that on like dependent on the student. Like I would have zoom meetings with my professors and ask questions or whatever. But so then I got those taken care of, but yeah, I think for me it was just a lot of like very hard for me to adjust then from the hands-on, like we said Mm -hmm. to then lecturing and then, Oh, all of a sudden more virtual and I don't have that contact where I can like, Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Yeah. But anyways. Especially for a very specific type of learning style. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like if you are that, like you said, visual hands-on, it becomes more separated, you know, sort of more sterile Yeah, as you go mm-hmm. down that road, which is tough. Mm-hmm. Right. So <laughs> then, I mean, came into third year and still online. We had our clinical reasoning classes. And then we, our surgery and anesthesia lab was in person. So my class is split into four sections of like 30 some people, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a little more. And then each of uh, each section rotated Mondays through Thursdays lab. So like that way the same section wasn't having, or 
Tuesdays through Friday. That way the same section wasn't having lab every Friday. Gotcha. And that way it was like limited to these 30 people on this day, these Mm -hmm. 40 people on this day kind of thing. And um, so, I mean, the surgery and anesthesia lab where we did anything from like the eye lab, the inucleation to dentistry to bandaging, everything. And then our live animal surgeries and such. And then... Now on to clinics. Here we go. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that's like, that's a, that's, yeah. there's a lot of stuff to kind of yeah, unpack yeah. that's in there. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I kind of want to ask you about is um, the, uh, the open book exam process, because that's something that when I was in college was actually kind of a norm, but I went to business school and I don't think they really gave a crap about anything, <laughs> but <laughs> um, how do you feel like you, um, maintained that information like the stuff that was open book do you feel like you still learned it or do you feel like how how does that compare to some of the stuff that was learned in a more traditional sense yeah well i will tell you that the classes that i retook that information i'm very good (laughs) at it like the other day i don't know what case it was but i was like oh well that could be this and it could be localized to here or it could be this issue so i'm like like I said, like like we already yeah. talked about, like when you fail a class like or fail an exam, nobody wants to fail an exam. Nobody right. wants to fail a class and you think like, oh, it's the end of the world and like you don't think anyone's ever failed before. Right. But then, You're the first in the world yeah, ever. <laughs> but then at the end of the day, it's like, you know what? Like, I mean, I worked with tutors and such like a one of my colleagues in the year above me and she's like honestly you probably know way more of this information than your classmates did that like originally got a higher grade than you correct Mm -hmm. yeah so i feel like with the open book stuff um i mean cardio i don't think is a good example because i'm not (laughs) i'm not confident in cardiology anyways Mm -hmm. but i mean i feel like a lot of it has to do with your preparation as it is like Mm -hmm. so my note-taking style is with one note and that's Mm -hmm. like the app that i use so i'll like download i'm aware of it i've never used it yeah yeah. so i like would download all of my like powerpoints into that and like organize it by day and topic Mm -hmm. and then that way i could take notes on the actual slides Mm -hmm. and then they also give us like learning objectives and so i would answer all of those Mm -hmm. so then it would force me to like okay what are their objectives for this course like what do I think is important when I'm taking notes mm-hmm. but then what are their objectives and then I go back and I like fill those out and then it's like okay well here is what they think is important mm-hmm. and I have that Got here mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's yeah that's smart I mean that part of my my study style was that I would take not, we didn't of course didn't have one note then actually we didn't even have apps then but um, <laughs> we had word had notebooks yeah yeah with throwing binders and yeah uh, spiral bound uh, but it was, yeah, it was, uh, I was actually one of the few in my class that, uh, cause, uh, AOL instant messenger was really big at that time. AM. Mm-hmm. So like I typed incredibly fast. So for me, when I actually went to class, I would type out like what they were actually saying. And then I would compile that with like lecture notes, PowerPoints, and then things that I would read in the book, I would compile it down to these like four pages and then that's what I would study from. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into.
into, well, can we get Carlo's notes? Because they were so, and like before every exam, everyone's like, where the fuck's Carlo's notes? He doesn't even have them out yet. So it's like all the classes were, you know, like all my classmates were waiting for me to get these out. And it was just how I studied. I'm like, well, I made them. You guys can have them. And then oddly enough, that's how the caregiver resources came to be is I was like, well, I'm pretty good at compiling and assembling information to yeah. help people educate on like the basics, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, that, that's actually a, a pretty decent learning. I, I think we kind of have that shared thing where it's like just writing it, you know, writing it or typing it or just yeah. kind of assembling it and packaging it your own way. Mm -hmm. Like that's actually what uh, uh, sort of, you know, when we talked about day one ready, um, mm -hmm. that's kind of how I perceive day one ready. I think day one ready is just having a growth mindset at graduation. We don't want to have a learning environment where we are taking the growth mindset from students. We don't want them to have a failure mindset coming out of school. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you look at sort of that growth mindset and, you know, uh, how you get through veterinary school and come out, um, having the ability to uh, know how your brain works you know, mm -hmm. know how to study. And that's what I think high school is most important for an undergraduate is most important for is actually just learning about your brain. Mm -hmm. Like, cause some people are just read it and it's in some people are just experienced and it's in, mm -hmm. and it's funny how those people aren't the same people. No. You know, there's not too many people who can read it and be able to do it, you know? And that's where I think for us, what is kind of one of the stories of Paw health. And that's of course, one of my success stories is that I'm way more of a doer, you know, it's just kind of jump in and do it and, you know, learn as you go, but also gain that experience. That's what actually I, I believe is failing in higher education mm -hmm. is that we really aren't providing the opportunity for doers to learn, to learn the skills set that they need. Mm -hmm. So when I heard that um, they were changing the curriculum at Michigan State, like you said, that first year, I didn't realize, I didn't, like, I thought it was the class after you was actually the first one that had mm -hmm. changed that didactic. So that's, I, I didn't know that. Um, I, I thought that was wonderful because it was more of like, all right, let's start to group these body systems. Let's start to look at it as far as like, you know, again, a systems approach to disease processes and second year always sucks. There's just a lot of content that is downloaded in that second year. I don't know how they're going to be able to fix first year. I think is a little bit easier because that's more norms, you know, more of like normal stuff, physiology, that kind of stuff, um, immunology. But once you kind of get into like the pathology, it's like, oh man, there's just so much rope memorization there that I don't know how they could actually make that better. Um, but again, yes, I think that's one of the most important things to learn coming into a veterinary curriculum and coming out of it is just how does your brain actually process data? Mm -hmm. And it's very unique. Um, yeah, you know, to each that, person. Yeah. yeah, like for me, I don't I don't learn anything until I write it down. Like I physically have to put <laughs> a pen to a piece of paper. That's That was why I got an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is way easier than getting a pen and a piece of paper. So, uh, but, but you talk about kind of how, you know, the, the lack of... The, the, the physical experience, right? Well, that's what clinicals kind of yeah. are meant for. We're and supposed to be. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And that's, uh, at least here, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, so, and like you said, this is your first rotation uh, driving all the way over from the, the northern side of the troll side. Yeah, troll side. <laughs> yeah, um, and getting it, getting, getting your hands into some stuff, getting, uh, get at least, at least at the very least observing, you know, seeing how things happen, uh, that sort of stuff how is how has it been how do you how have you liked your first rotation thus far i mean I, no pressure no pressure <laughs> but it's it has to be positive <laughs> yeah so I, well no <laughs> i will edit this but i'm yeah, totally no, kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. um yeah no i'm really enjoying it i mean uh i knew i wanted to come here for one of my rotations because i was here in the summer for a yeah. week so yeah. that yeah, was kind of year. like 
the, oh, like, let me go check out this place and see how it is. And I liked it. So I came back. back. Yeah, Yeah. I'm back. (laughs) Um, But no, it's been really great. I mean, uh, one of the first shifts that I had with Carlo, we kind of talked about like what I wanted to get out of it and what I wanted to focus on. So like radiographs were one of those things. And uh, Ben and I were talking before the show that um like kind of anytime anyone's had something interesting they're like hey come look at this so like that's been really great and um my next rotation that I am going to be on is diagnostic imaging so I was like it'll be great because it'll kind of set me up for that and um uh, something else that I talked to Katie about was like that I wanted to do surgeries because in our surgery and anesthesia lab we're in groups of three and we do three surgeries but not as the lead surgeon so I was anesthesia first then I was assistant surgeon and then I was lead surgeon so I only actually did one surgery in school which was a dog spay so I was like if I can do any surgeries, I will do them. Just know I've only done one actual mm-hmm. surgery. Mm-hmm. And so last... Well, I mean, I showed you how to do a gastrotomy. Yeah. So you're, she's on deck for that. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, well, no, I'm like, no, really. Like, I think even <laughs> um, even Hannah was like, no, he's not joking. Like, you're going to do the next one. Yeah. They're not that hard. <laughs> yeah. So, but last week I did... Uh, a couple spays and then this week I went to the Humane Society with Katie so I got to do a couple neuters oh, so which yep. was great yep. so yep. now I've done the basic general surgeries yes. and I couldn't say that before I came here yeah. so wonderful mm-hmm. check mark yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, and I love how you use the word basic surgery for spays when yeah. Carlo's like, that's the most complicated surgery anybody can do. Right? do I, you, I has st- he told you this this story yeah. yet? I know it's a repeat for the podcast, so yeah, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like there's what, like six different body systems or like things <laughs> that you have to know? Yeah, or? it's just, I you know, I... Like I see, I see value in space being performed. Obviously, there's a population control component, like it needs to be done. Um, also, I think if you are a teaching institution and you want to talk and teach, uh, really the fundamentals of surgery, because you're talking hemostasis, you're talking delicate tissue handling, identification of organ systems. I mean, small biology, small physiology. So I think that space into themselves, they can really teach you a lot about surgery, general handling. They are not basic. Like they like I actually consider them to be very complex procedures, yeah. um, and I mean I like I take liver lobes off. That's way easier than a spay. <laughs> like gastrotomies, that is that is simple. That's day one stuff. You know, gastrot or enterotomies and splenectomies and you know tumor removals and all these things. I think are actually technically much simpler than a spay. Like splenectomy, you got like five things you got to sew off. Like uh, done right, mm-hmm. but you know, but that's where it's like okay, but a spay leave half of an ovary in oops you know throw your stitch too deep hit the aorta you know or (laughs) throw it you know right or you tie off a ureter or you know i mean there's all these different components that it's like and that's then the other side of me is i'm like jesus why are we teaching this to like vet students like this should really be like an advanced procedure Mm -hmm. but yeah but that's why i said i I think you see both sides of it because it's like on one side it actually really is a very good thing to learn from Mm -hmm. because the fundamentals of spay you can apply to everything else Mm -hmm. i mean i have i mean that's what i learned you know coming out of school and then six weeks after graduation, I did my first GDV. You know, I didn't have anyone to show me how to do it. I had a book with one picture in it. I'm like, all right, I'll wing it. And then the animal did fine. I was like, oh, well, that was easier than a spay. 
<laughs> you know, so it's no. And again, so but but yes, it, it's it's good to have those experiences, yeah. but I, they are not basic. I was gonna say, yeah, just, it's, it's more just like just don't take it for granted, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yes, they th- that is a surgery that is done in higher volume yeah. statistically yeah. than more a GDB. common, right? More common, yes, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I like basic. that. We're gonna call it common. Yes. Yeah, yes. I'm gonna steal that now. That's yes. Um, so then I guess with the, the, the other stuff, you know, you've got a little bit of time left. Is that still kind of maintaining, is that still what your focus kind of is or have you had, you know, what changes you've seen? Yeah. Have you adjusted in the short time that you've been here? Kind of what your focus hopes to be or whatever that might be. I mean, I think I'll still continue to focus on like the radiology aspect just because like Katie yeah. and I were talking the other day and she's like, I still don't feel confident with yeah. them. And she goes, I do all these CEs. I go in person. I do online. And I'm like, yes, I get it. And then I get a case and I'm just like, yeah. So that yeah. was like refreshing for me because yeah. I'm like, I feel like I've been really hard on myself. Like, you don't know what that is. Like uh, in 15 years, that, that's the first time I've ever heard that as well. Like, cause when I was talking to, when she was telling me that you guys oh, had that conversation, yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. You know, like, really? she's like, oh, I just can't. I'm like, oh, all right. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's why everyone sends me x-rays all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's fine. Like, I don't care. I'll read them, you know, yeah. but well, it is challenging. Yeah, and that's, that's that's just kind of more about our environment, though. It's yeah. like it, it, you know, there's there's no hesitation in like, yeah. hey, Carlo, can you look at this yeah. because I feel uh, like I know eighty percent of what's going on here, but yeah. for the twenty percent that matters, and that and that, I mean truthfully, and I know there, and that's like I said, I've had my own opinions of higher education, but like I actually kind of think that's how professional programs should be like run. I mean, to a certain degree, you have sh- proven yourself academically that you can get into this. Why yeah. are we talking about grades anymore? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if, if... I agree. Right? <laughs> so, but, so, but now if we're talking about an environment where, okay, so let, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, graduation minus one day, don't ask for help. Graduation yeah. plus one day, please ask for help. Mm-hmm. So it's like you get out and then what? Well, I call the neurologist, you send in path, you know, you get to talk to a cytologist or, you know, clinical pathologist. I mean, you have all these people who you can just ask questions to and get the answers because you don't know it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So why can't we actually fundamentally start out teaching that way? Mm-hmm. Like we're talking open book exams. Perfect. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, and it's more of like, hey, I don't actually understand this. But, but again, you're in a university environment. So it's like, how do you actually run a curriculum and show the actual metrics of passing, failing grades, four points, two points, and then when those start to then have bearings on residencies and internships, mm-hmm. it's a very complex system to try to change. But that has always been my perspective is how can we start to integrate more of a collaboration, more of a group sense, which actually then kind of fell in line with uh, the house mentorship system, where it was mm-hmm. like, how can we actually day one as veterinary students and veterinary nursing students start to develop develop this idea of community and start to develop this idea of togetherness and resources and what are my tools and who can I go to? That's what that whole idea and that's what that had sort of birthed from. And, and we're getting there, you know, I mean, as mm-hmm. anything that grows. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so. Yeah. And I mean, I think also like exactly what you're saying, I think that was what was most frustrating for me is in failing these classes because it's not like I failed them by 10%. It's mm-hmm. not like I didn't know the material. And like for me, it was even more frustrating because I could sit here and talk to you about those things, yes. but the minute they're on an exam and asked a certain way, yeah. then I'm like, 
what are they even asking? Like even yes. my, even in studying with my friends, I would get so frustrated because sometimes they would ask me a question to quiz me, and I'm like, I don't know what you're asking me. And then yeah. they'd like reword something, and I'm like, oh, blah blah blah. Like talk yeah. all about it. So yeah. I think that was what was most frustrating in failing those classes. It wasn't because I was like, oh, I don't know this stuff. It yeah. was I know this stuff, but I just. Is it's not being represented on the test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that was like the most frustrating thing of that yeah. whole process. And I think like back to the original question about the rest of this uh, externship oh, yeah. is mm -hmm. I think something that I've really noticed that like maybe I surprised myself by is like when we get the cases and um, like yesterday we had a dog come in and Katie was like, Shh, don't tell her like don't tell her the anything like don't say anything and like uh -huh. she like was like we'll go over the history so she gave me the case and I was like I'm pretty sure this is like a tick disease yeah, like yeah, yeah. based on the history and like <clears throat> clinical signs and all this stuff and she was like that's my first deferential like good job <laughs> and I think like for me that's just like so yeah. like gratifying yes. is like mm -hmm. yes I know this stuff yes. like Maybe it wasn't represented on tests that I took, but it's yeah. not that I don't know it. It's yeah. just I express it in a different way. So, like, the fact that a lot of the cases that we've worked through and even, like, the radiographs, like, talking through the processes and, like, oh, like, this is what I think it could be, like, and that's why, like, when I worked yeah. with you, I was like, is this what we would do next if we find this? Yes. And then what if we find this? Are we going to do this? And, yeah. like, so I think just, like, working through the whole process of going through cases, like, yeah. that's been the most beneficial thing for me on this externship, and, like, mm -hmm. that's what I want to continue to do. And, of course, like, if there's more surgeries, I'll oh, do yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. But, yeah, yeah, so. The first time I get called in for a gastrotomy in the next two weeks, you're on the whole like, <laughs> drive to the clinic. I don't want to do this. You're going to. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but that, that, that was kind of why I asked about the open book thing, though, because like for me, this job yeah. is just one constant open book exam. <laughs> All the time, yes. Because there's there's thousands upon thousands of pages of information yeah. downstairs at the ready, yeah. and it's not so much that you have to have it all stored in the library. You Can't. just have to know where to go find it. There's too much to know, yeah. and that was why I was kind of curious kind of how that, that yeah. process went for you. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, along those lines, too, like you were saying, Carlo, like the whole like networking thing and like why is it that we're expected to know everything, but then the next day it's like, oh, you can call the neurologist. So that's like <laughs> back to my whole thing right, with yeah. failing the classes. Yeah. It's like I was like, but I know how to do the basics, and I know I'm not going to be a neurologist. So yeah. how about instead yeah. I just call up Dr. Winger and say, like, I have it localized to this area. Like, yeah. can you help me out type yes. of thing? And, yes. like, also I've always said this, too, is in my – time working at different small animal clinics so the three small animal clinics that I've worked at um before like starting clinicals and such there hasn't ever been a day where I haven't seen a doctor either a oh, look right. something up on the internet mm -hmm. look something up in a book like yesterday Katie and I were looking at the ClinPath book about like pre-renal post-renal yeah. renal causes yeah, yeah like yeah. differentials mm -hmm. and so like I just think that like that is like a big thing too is like we're gonna converse with our colleagues mm -hmm. anyways so like yeah. yes know the basics know like how to process things how to think through things yeah. but then know who you would go to for mm -hmm. the next part yeah mm -hmm. i think they should just like 
and not that I'm hierarchical, but they should tear out the education process. Like if everyone wants a two point, here's the two point exam. <laughs> like open book, all y'all just work together and just everyone, either everyone's going to collectively fail because if you collectively fail, that's a systems issue, mm-hmm. right? But if you collectively get the two point, cool. But if you have those other people that really need the four point because they want to have there's this other test you can take and get the four point, you know, like I think it I, genius. Look at yeah. that. I just solved higher education. Uh, but, but no, I, so actually that's a, uh, that's a, uh, you and I have that similarity where, um, so like I had a, a buddy, I was as a camping trip I was on he, and I was in, uh, I think I graduated two years out of school at that point, And he was like, tell me something about dogs. And I'm like, uh, he's like, you're a vet. Just tell me something like cool medically about dogs. And I'm like, I ain't got anything for you, man. And I was like, you need to ask me a more specific question about this thing. And then I'll talk to you for four hours about it. It's the same thing. It's like, it really kind of depends on how that question is worded for your brain to just unlock all of the information you have stored in there. But if you don't hit that pathway, it ain't coming out. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and that's all practice is. Practice is just like, Oh, when they ask this one question, that's actually what they're asking me for, you mm-hmm. know, and that 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 is then like all talk path stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So, so at this point, you've got a little more than a year and a half, or a little less than a year and a half, right, of going oh, through rotations, yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, and when you started, I think the curriculum shift was the first year of like the the term that's now cliched is day one ready. Like that's really started to, it's it got popularized uh, at that point. Um, what is kind of your plan um, to maintain that mindsets? And like, what are you searching for in terms of education and experience and that sort of stuff to go from where you are today to what your definition of day one ready is? I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with like how I set up my rotation. So I mean, we have the opportunity to do externships. I don't know, like, the ratio off the top of my head of how many we have to do at Michigan State and how many we can do elsewhere. But basically, um, I was like, any that I can do elsewhere, I want to, just because, like, sure, I've gotten the base of my information from Michigan State, and I'm going to have those rotations that I have to do there. But why not take advantage of the opportunity to learn from elsewhere in yeah. other people? So, like, I'm doing the rotation here, and then I a lot of it I just based on location. So yeah. my aunt lives in Lexington, Kentucky, so I'm doing a rotation oh, sure. there because I'm like, well, yeah. I have a place to live for free for three weeks, so yep, yep. I'll go there. there. It is. Yep. yep. And then another one I'm going to be doing in, like, the – Worcester, Massachusetts area, because I also have a friend that lives there. So I'm going to go there, and then um, I'm going to be working at the clinic that I had my first job at that fixed my cat's eye. I have a rotation with them, and then I have a rotation with the clinic that I worked at in high school. So, I mean, granted, like, those two clinics I have experience with, but Mm -hmm. I mean... You have a different set of eyes on. Right, and so, I mean, I think that was, like, part of me setting up my clinical rotations is getting that outside experience. And, I mean... Of course, I don't know what things will look like with COVID, but like, yeah. I mean, the Michigan Veterinary Conference, like I loved going to oh, that. Yeah. Like yeah. that was a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like that's where I had dinner mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. and Katie yeah. to mm-hmm. begin with. And um, like, I just think like they have a lot of great talks there and there's always that mm-hmm. wave to 
um, engage in further uh, knowledge and learning yeah. and stuff. But yeah. yeah. And, th- and then at some point, you'll a year and a half later, you'll be graduated. And then what? Yeah. Then life. Yeah, <laughs> then the real party begins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Do you do you have a, a rough idea where like, kind of where you want to end up or anything like that? Or are you just kind of letting the wind take you where it wants to? Uh, yeah, I don't have a set plan. Yeah. I mean, everyone asks me that and I'm like, well, I don't have anything that is like, I need to stay in Michigan, yeah. but then I don't have anything that it's like, I mm. need to move here. I need to move yeah, here. Yeah. So like that was also my plan in like picking externships outside of the state mm-hmm. was yeah. let me go to this area. See let me the, see how it is. And, yeah. um, yeah. like I said, I already knew that I liked this area cause I came here for right. a week in the yeah. summer and here I am. It's <laughs> fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are scared of like moving away from what's familiar, but I mean, maybe this is just my life experiences with like officiating. Like I travel all the time for that. And how easy is it to travel? It's not like just because you live seven hours from your family doesn't mean like, it's Mm -hmm. not like I have to walk back home to (laughs) visit them. Like I can take a flight or drive in a day type of thing. So yeah, I don't have anywhere that I'm like, I want to go here or yeah. Yeah. and the world is significantly flatter than it used to be. Not just because of flat earth or smaller. I mean, like, can we say smaller? I love saying flatter, but yes, <laughs> we can say smaller. Um, um, but yeah, it is exactly that, you know? And I, I think people, it like some people really, really love those old pair of shoes. Like I want to go back home. I want to go back to the clinic that I started at. Yeah. And like, that was the plan that I had going into school, going into undergraduate, going into veterinary school. That was my plan from the very beginning. And it's funny that you said how easy it is to travel. Like some people think that to be a significant barrier. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> as Ben raises his hand, Uh, you know, but again, so it's all part of that perspective. But I think as you travel more, you actually do find that it is substantially easier. Um, And once you kind of learn the rules of how to travel and of course a little bit different now, but, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah. And that's that, I think the other part to answer that question is you're going to be a different person in a year and a half. That's true. You know, it's, it's there, you, you will be surprised at how the next year will impact you just as the last two and a half have, Mm -hmm. you know, And I think something else, too, is, like, what I've noticed with my classmates is that they're so, like, some of them, I won't say all of them, but some of them are just so, like, I only want to be a cat vet. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I'm just, like, okay, well. It's a very specific niche. Yeah, and it's (laughs) just, like, I just feel like when you have your mind set on this certain thing that you have blinders on to so many other things and so many other opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, maybe my mindset is, like, very scary for some people yeah. because they're like, I have to have a plan. And ironically, yeah. I am a planner. Yes. But mm-hmm. in this situation, mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, I'm going to take the experiences as they come. And yeah. whatever happens, like, it'll work out. Yeah, it'll be exactly. fine. You'll find that same vantage point in human behavior uh, more commonly as it results in or, or uh, relates to relationships you'll find that same thing like the people who marry the high school sweetheart because that's who it is that's who I'm comfortable that's the plan this is what it is here's my blinders I don't want any new things no additional experiences that's the habit so you'll find that kind of similar habit when you get into like any really any other walk of life it doesn't mm-hmm. just have to be relationships but you'll find it where it's just like this and this and this and again personally I feel like 
in those scenarios, um, you have then forced a plan to be the goal, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, and, and I'm not saying that the goal can't be to be this very hyper specific veterinarian. I'm not saying that can't be the goal, but you're exactly right. You kind of put your blinders on you don't mm-hmm. really realize the utility and the versatility of our degree and our diploma. It was just like Caroline was talking about transitioning from large animal small animal. Mm-hmm. Can I do it? Can mm-hmm. I not? My experience, I tracked this way in clinics. Am I even capable? It's like, your brain is capable, yes. Mm-hmm. That's the thing to take away is your mm-hmm. brain can do this. That's why you got into veterinary school. Mm-hmm. So to then say, well, I have this one super specific hyper-focused plan and what my goal is, well, for me, the goal is to have a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. The goal is not to have this job. The goal is not to be this one thing. The goal is to grow. Mm-hmm. So if you find, so that's where I think what I'm driving at is I would challenge or propose the idea of that's where we start to significantly lose fulfillment in our industry is if we're like this is the only thing i want to be this is the only thing i know how to be and then when that doesn't come to be who am i what is this this isn't what i plan for and it's like like you said not just the planners like you're you plan in a world of chaos they plan in a world of chaos where they think that chaos is order but there mm-hmm. is no order mm-hmm. so it, there is a very different perspective that i think coming in to postgraduate that again you may be taking for granted um, sort of how powerful you're going to be coming into the work industry because there there really is no plan in the industry I mean we're trying to create goals for the industry mm-hmm. uh, on the individual level but mm-hmm. yeah that that's going to be single-handedly one of your greatest assets mm-hmm. uh, truthfully coming at graduation is not being tied to one thing that'll help you understand too um, in communication and consultations with caregivers too yeah. because one of the things that you know, when you brought that up about like people being kind of locked into one thing is there was a case it was over the summer i think it was early summer um a gentleman had brought his patient in i I don't even remember if it was cat or dog i only remember the way that he was speaking to everybody um and it wasn't that he was being mean or anything like that but he said multiple times before he was even in a consultation that he was not going to be euthanizing his patient that day like to just everybody that was listening right and um, it was a it was definitely an elderly patient, um, and, and at the, through that process, um, that was one that Janessa took on. It was shifting his focus from his what he thought was his goal, uh, but that was actually his plan. Yeah, and switching it to the goal of well, what are you actually here for, right? Yeah. And that then it got into the patient expense and the you know how yeah. the physical toll that was being you know that that by no fault of his own the patient was just going through it was just old yeah. um and he actually ended up euthanizing that patient that day but it was that shift it was he was so stuck in one way of thinking and patients education that sort of stuff it was um nobody got frustrated to the point where it's like well let's just let this guy have what he wants so he leaves it was no we're doing our part on behalf of the patient and he can elect whatever it is that he wants but he's also going to leave here more educated and And ultimately yeah that's that was like the whole thing like like that was one case that just continues to stand out for me and having that perspective i think will help you in practice and just learning how to knowing how to communicate with people to serve and educate Yep. yep yep and it's i mean we'll even get that same thing when we have cases transferred down where it's like you know 
uh, patient's anemic coming down for a blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, fine. I can go grab the bags and slam it into your dog, but why does it need a blood transfusion? Well, it just needs a blood transfusion. And then we're going to go home. We're just here for the blood transfusion because the number's low. And it's just like proteins are low too, though. Um, yeah. So, like, it's also a German Shepherd that's 12, and it's got this pot belly. Oh, its belly has gotten bare in the last day. Ooh, yeah, and its gums are pale. And it just needs a blood transfusion. No, it's probably actually hemoabdomen. What's that? So it's that same. We get that all the time. Same thing when I get ultrasound patients. Yeah. So we're here for the ultrasound. Well, why? Because we're here for the ultrasound. But why? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and I'll have a lot of, like, you know, not a lot, but, you know, uh, I'll have some veterinarians that call back, why didn't you guys do the ultrasound? Well, we talked about it, um, and they actually didn't want it. Yeah. You know, at the end of it. And it's just yeah. like, well, well, okay, well, we're here for the ultrasound. I'm like, okay, I might find this and this, and we might have these treatment options. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't want it. Okay, see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's the idea of like, so that's serve the patient, educate the caregiver, mm-hmm. you know. And, and like you said, it's just kind of taking these things from different ways. And I think just uh, to give a bit of uh, a, a foreshadowing on your future is that I was the very, the same, like a lot of the same way coming out of school where I had to have the question asked a very specific way, but then in time you sort of build those connections where it's like, Oh, I, I really need to unlock the information asked this way, but then, Oh, this to this. Oh, now I understand what's being asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and it's just sort of, that's being versatile um, mm-hmm. in your career mm-hmm. or in your profession and practicing career. But, uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how we've been doing on time. I, I know you're supposed to ask yeah, questions. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, at this point, um, I, I asked you to bring questions, so I want you to have an opportunity to ask them. Uh, <laughs> well, I, don't know, I don't know how much time we're we're, we're roughly a little less than an hour. Yeah, I, yeah, but, but, yeah, I guess, uh, were there any ones, as you were prompted, that kind of stood out that you were hoping to ask? Um, well, I have a few, so we can start at the top if we have time. Sure, for all sure. Yeah, we're actually on your time frame, so <laughs> we're, yep. yeah, we're good. Um, so I guess just general tips and tricks for students entering clinical rotations, like do's and don'ts. Mm. That was probably directed at me then. I mean, I've never gone through right, clinical yeah, rotations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could, I could do, I could speak on this for a while, um, but I don't feel like it would <laughs> <yeah>. apply. <laughs> I'll try to be concise because I could definitely talk along on that. So, I think to give you the Carlo answer on it, the first one is um, the way that I would handle it now mm-hmm. with the clout that I have and the understanding that I have is I'd be way more bullish. I don't think that would be received very well. Well, it wasn't when you were in school. So. <laughs> More <laughs> bullish than I was then. Um, so I think, you know, the, the one, one of the issues, and I'm not saying this is specific about Michigan State, I just think in general when we look at clinics, when we look at the industry, one of the big issues is hierarchy. And I think with that, that's where we start to challenge self-worth. That's where we start to have a lot of issues as far as like the uh, power of knowledge. So I don't believe that knowledge is power. Um, I think knowledge is a responsibility. I think that knowledge is here to be shared. Uh, it's here to be collaborated. And it's here to be improved. So that's my perspective on knowledge. But entering into an environment where it's not going to be this way universally, but there will be individuals who assume knowledge is power. Uh, those individuals will be the ones that are harder to collaborate with. So in identifying individuals, whether they are clinicians, whether they are uh, support staff, whatever it is, if you have if someone's identified as assuming knowledge is power. Uh, that's going to come with an ego. 
Uh, those will be the individuals that uh, you probably are going to have a harder time collaborating with, communicating with, and you're probably going to take more shots to your self-worth in not knowing an answer and not having a rule out and not having the next diagnostic and not having that. So I think for me, the do's and don'ts really comes down to like, do be aware of your self-worth. Do be aware that you are smart enough for any of this. Do be aware that the only thing you don't have is experience, but don't think that that makes you less worthy. Don't think that that makes you less apt to perform this job long-term, to perform, to be an active participant in this industry. Uh, do know that uh, in the end, you're going to be just as good as any other veterinarian. It just takes time. So it's less about, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And it's just the idea of having a growth mindset. Um, and to me, that's how you should enter into clinics, but really enter into the industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess maybe this, this I thought this question kind of build off, built off the question I just asked, but um, maybe you have something to add in what you've already said. But also just wondering what the biggest deficits you see with new grads are and mm. like how can students focus on that during rotations I, I i know what the answer is it's confidence yeah. so it's not so much that you graduate uh, with a lack of competence like everyone's at, at least to our experience graduates extremely knowledgeable and yeah. able but they graduate without this understanding that they can actually do it. Yeah. So I'll let you kind of... Yeah, yeah. And even if you look at um, one of the resources we have online for our star chart mm -hmm. is high competence, low confidence um, is what we call cultural risk. So when you come in as high competence, low confidence into a team, it can actually be very challenging uh, culturally because then it's, well, I don't know how and I don't know how and they never taught me this. And, you know, so you kind of start to hear a lot more excuses and blaming um, in that cultural risk category. So for me, as far as the deficits that I see actually is a part of our industry overview, but uh, generally speaking, the talent bubble as a whole, the biggest issue is a loss of self-worth. So uh, coming, I think... <clears throat> For, for me, at least, when I and I really love integrating with students and having new graduates come on to the team because you're also super malleable, mm -hmm. you know, where it's just like, well, I don't exactly know what I want to do and I don't know if I can do this. I've never been provided the opportunity to do it. So coming, uh, one of the biggest deficits or at least, you know, coming out of, out of clinics, coming out of university, um, self-worth is a big one. But I think what you meet with that is uh, the idea of a growth mindset. So just knowing that, no, you're absolutely not supposed to. You've never done this job. You've never performed this job before. You have a high potential to. Um, and that's, that's sort of our solution to it. I guess the other thing, too, to kind of dovetail off of that is um, very early on in the podcast of uh, that. Having just now re-listened to them. Just now re-listened to some of these. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, well, it, so, uh, in the after action episode, which I believe is 12, mm, nice. uh, we had talked about the fact that that tool came from the re Marines and how 
that conversation uh, dove or uh, rabbit trailed itself off into the fact that vet school is basically boot camp, yeah. except they forgot the build you back up part. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> so like, I, actually, I was uh, I was just talking to a guy a few uh, weeks ago. He was like, you know, one of one of my uh, friends' sons went off to Marines and he left a he left a boy. They broke the boy and they built back up a man. Yeah. Sure. Right. And th- that immediately made me think of this you know Same, yeah. world and i'm yeah. like well yeah you're like the, the the didactic and the clinical experience is essentially meant to break your brain to rebuild yeah. it in a way that's functional in the industry and yeah. it has its flaws and all of that um but in and i think the thing that's been missed mostly is the fact that there's not a system of people or processes that is deliberate enough to build you back up so yeah. you have to take it upon yourself to maintain your growth mindset you yeah. have to know what it is you have to know how you how you learn best so that's one thing that you've already crossed off the list but not everybody knows that yeah. um but also how are you going to kind of maintain your mental space uh, because if you don't do it someone else isn't going to do it for you yeah. right I think you guys really hit the nail on the head with that because I I guess I hadn't really thought about it like that before, but it is true. So, like, in classes, we're like, oh, we just got a failing grade. So, like, I don't know anything. Yes. But that's not the case. No. But it keeps happening, and it yes. keeps happening. So when it keeps happening to you, and this is what happened to me, is it's happening over and over and over again. So I'm like, wow, like, what am I doing? Yes. Why am I... Right. Why yes. am I in school right now? Why did I want to do this? Yes. Mm-hmm. But then it's like you get that sight of like, oh, then I was in surgery and anesthesia lab and I was actually doing things yeah. and I was doing a good job at things. And I was like, oh, like, OK, so I'm not terrible at this. Mm-hmm. But then I think like yeah. like you guys are saying, maybe that's like the key to the rotations then is because we come on these rotations. And like like I said the other day yesterday with yeah. Katie and she's like, so what are you thinking for this case? And I said it, and she goes, that's my top differential. And so for me, that was like, yeah. yes, yes, I Got know it. it. I know it. And so, like, I guess, like, yeah. keeping in the goal of, like, making the clinics your build me back up yeah. before you graduate, I guess, yeah. like, yeah. is what yeah. I'm and getting at. And you don't at. let them continue to bring you down. That, yeah. That's the big part. And it's, it's and that, like I said, the, the behavior is subtle. So mm-hmm. the individual, like the clinician or whoever may, if they have ego or whatever it is, they may not actually be conscious aware of their behavior anymore. Mm-hmm. So they may say things pipe off, you know, because to them, they get new students every three weeks and they've right. been doing that for, what, a decade? Mm-hmm. You know, over 15, 20 years, they've been every three weeks someone new every three weeks someone new they themselves could be burnt out on the process and stuck in a position where they can't actually go do anything else mm-hmm. you don't let whatever's happening in their world affect you um, and that's where for us when we talk about paw health it's the check your shit at the door mm-hmm. when you come in here you don't have your outside shit on our inside shit so uh <clears throat> so yeah you're exactly right you don't you that is how you sort of survive. You can be over there and be nasty, but you're not going to affect my energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 really it. Because you can do it. You've already proven that you can get in. You're just doing something new. You've never done clinics before. You've never been a veterinarian or a veterinary nurse before. You've never graduated vet school or veterinary nursing school before. Like, why is there an expectation that you're going to be a top performer? Mm-hmm. You, you aren't. There's zero. Ex- there should be zero expectation. Mm-hmm. So. Right. So I guess going off that, um, what is your favorite thing about having students extern with you? 
that's a good question. I like that. <laughs> um, honestly, I, it's the energy, to be honest. You know, I, I, <clears throat> I come from a family of teachers. Um, at least that's how both of my, my parents ended their career was in teaching. Um, but for me, growing up, I was, or I was raised in a household where we were always taught, we were always encouraged to learn. So that was always something that felt very natural to me. And again, part of that comes into um, serve the patient, educate the caregiver, educate the caregiver. Mm-hmm. So for me, I always kind of fell into that line of teaching people. That's where the caregiver resources come from. Let's teach people. Having now the ability to have students come in, like I said, it's just that energy. It's just the new, fresh, young eyes. Like, you know, let's talk about this and what's your perspective and what do you think about that? Um, to me, I think that's honestly probably one of the most rewarding parts because I think what I what I love, and I think a lot of teachers will actually say this, it's physically witnessing on someone's face the eureka moment where it's just like, you know, Katie, well, that's my top differential too. You're like, yeah, and it's like, yeah, you know, like that to me is so rewarding. Like uh, Lauren, we actually did, when we did her uh, her podcast uh, with Christina, it was that same moment. She took a case from intake through x-rays, barium, completed surgery, and the patient discharge. Like she did practically all of it. She was like, I did it. I'm like, you fucking did. You know, so that's, that's my, I think that's probably my favorite part about having students in is just really kind of seeing like the light bulb finally go off. And I think that's what then really, for me um, as a mentor, really tests my understanding of the material. It's the see one, do one, teach one, right? So it's the see one. I've had 15 years of do one, and now sort of that next door is teach one. So it's like, all right, now I really get to test how good am I at what I assume to be flawless. Um, but now <laughs> now it's, it's, the, it's the opportunity. So when I get that connection, when I get that connection, I actually see people learning. I'm like, I know it too, you know? <laughs> So that's, that's, that's probably the best part. And then is there anything that you wished you had known while in vet school? Like maybe that thinking back, oh, like I wish I would have thought about this differently or I wish I would have known this little tidbit. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I have built an organization around that. Um, but I think single-handedly, if I was going to put it into one sentence, that which I wish I knew when I was in veterinary school, looking back on it, is I wish I knew that I could use my resources. I wish I knew that, and I was comfortable with knowing that if I was having conflict with a clinician, I felt like I was in my own world. No one was here to help me. I'm on my own and I have to suffer through this because that's the culture of a lot of the veterinary students. Oh, don't speak up against this clinician. Oh, don't, you know, don't say this. Don't say that. You know, they're the ones in charge and they're the specialist. Looking back on it, um, I mean, now I know that that's complete horse ass. So it's like, no, there are actual people there, faculty, administration, dean's office. I mean, you guys are there to learn. You guys are paying money. You guys are paying time of your life to learn this information. If there's a barrier to you learning, if there's a barrier to you getting what you are paying for, that's what I wish I knew when I was in school was being like, no, I have resources available to me and I'm not going to stop using my voice until satisfaction 
action has been achieved. We're not talking end of rotation feedback. Oh, yes, I'm just going to write this down and that's maybe giving feedback. It's no. The tools are there are other people there and there are people who have been there longer and there are people who have more tenure and there are people who have more clout. And that's where, like I said, I'd be more bullish now than I was then is knowing that I have the resource, I have the voice, I have the power to hold these people accountable when things really don't happen happen well and that was uh, we kind of talked about this yesterday uh because you had provided as or a couple days ago week ago jesus week ago um is that uh uh, you had provided us with a list of dates um, on when you could come up here for externship. And that was sort of like my decision. I'm like, let's get her here as soon as possible. Let's get her here in the mm-hmm. beginning mm-hmm. because I really, one, yeah, fine. See how awesome we are, which I'm more fantastic. Um, <laughs> but a part of it is um, I want to help you receive the tools before you get into the next year of clinics to be like, no, this is how you should be thinking about it. And this is what you should not be putting up with. And so that was really more of like, no, I don't want you to suffer through a year. And at the end of it, we get you where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. and I just, and I wish, and I just, you know, so, uh, but that, that's what I wish I would have known uh, in vet school then is mm-hmm. just knowing that I have resources of people who would advocate for me. Yeah, I, I'm going to just touch on that again, because um, when you talk, like, um, for those people that might know Carlo, when you think about him being bullish, like, <laughs> um, the the key there isn't so much of, you know, putting the horns on yeah. and hitting it one-to-one. Yeah. It, it's, it's knowing that there are systems in place uh-huh. to support you in your process of getting to the end of that race yeah, school it was one-on-one R- right school i was school i was fighting the right. person and i should have been fighting the system right it's, it's 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 not necessarily being more or less forceful it's just being more strategic correct yes, <laughs> yes. which in time i i do wholeheartedly believe in time that as we uh start to integrate the house system with uh the the veterinary student yep. uh, i truthfully believe that in time we will be able to change the culture of the university i i completely stand behind it won't be in one year won't be in five but once we finally start to get integrated with veterinary students to be like no you guys are it not only are you the future but if you just stand on our shoulders you are going to see further than us like Mm -hmm. that is the whole point so what else? Any other ones? Yeah, there? I was gonna, I think we got time for just about Probably one, one more. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I have one more question. Perfect. So there we perfect. go. Perfect. Look at um, how that works. And this can be for <laughs> both of you or however you guys want to tackle it. But um, what are your short and long term goals? Mm. Good question. I mean, I'm just trying to make it to the end of the day most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I learned a long time ago that um, I'm awful with goals. Because I either set them way too short or I set them way too far. And um, I read, I don't even remember what, I think it was an article, like a summary of a book. It was kind of like a Cliff Notes thing or whatever. And it talked about how some people are, like Carlo is really good at seeing the goal and just like trudging the path of getting there. And like, you know, he's, he, we call him an artist of like kind of how he gets, to, you know, to that point. Cause it's just, you know, oops, I missed. Now I just have to adjust. Um, and I tried that professionally for a few years. And what I learned was I'm awful at it. Whereas I need to look a little bit closer to my feet and just keep focusing on the process. Um, I'm not as much of a visionary. Like I can appreciate vision when I hear it and when I, you know, uh, when it's kind of explained, yeah. but I'm not, 
I'm not the super far thinker. Um, so for me, it's just about continuing to learn my process better. And what happens when I do that is I'm an outgoing person and I generate a network around me that's like, hey, Ben, do that process this way. So that's why like there's a synergy with me working here and working with Carlo and the whole team here at PAW. It's like, no, this is where we're going. And I'm like, perfect. I'm going to trudge through this snow now. Um, and that's turned into a lot of, you know, I, not to say that I'm great at everything, yeah, yeah. but um, just kind of figuring out my own process. So yeah. it's, it's, I don't have like some big overarching yeah. goal. I know he does. Cause that's Constantly. like his whole job, yeah. but um, more or less just to be the guy that's, I'm the one that wants to be the most willing to say yes to the new idea. And yeah. that's how I do yeah, it. Yeah. See, I need a lot of that. Yeah. I need a lot of hearing the, not, not necessarily the yes man, but like, yes, that, and then Katie's like bad. It's yes. And yeah. Yes. And yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Short term, long term. That actually, uh, last podcast, we kind of cruised over that question. Uh, cause you had asked it to me or like, so what next Carlo? Yep. I'm like, I don't know. Yep. Um, no, but I, I think the reality is um, long-term goal is what the company's what we have forced the company the direction of is being the force of change in the industry. So f for me, it's that growth that I've had professionally where I've stepped out of myself, out of the exam room, uh, into the clinic, into the community, into the industry. Um, so for me, long-term, it's really pushing hard at tier four of our education system, really pushing hard at making an impact on more people's lives. And the long-term goal is the more we can sort of push our ideals, the more we can push the idea of what, what Paw Health is fighting for, serve the patient, educate the caregiver, self-worth, income, financial stability, like those are all the things that we're fighting for um, in the industry on a, on a local level or individually local level. Um, that's the goal, is I, I don't think that I'm ever really going to be able to give up that goal. And that's why part of like my clout is that um, I and this is this, I know it's a really long winded answer, but so um, I uh, no longer value money. So there's a difference between valuing money and respecting money. Mm -hmm. So I have an incredible amount of respect for money as a tool. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I look at the value of money, people who really have the value money, I have this amount and I need to have it and I'm only gonna have this and I need to keep it. When you value money, you are crushed by debt. I value, oh my gosh, I need this money because I have this debt. But as soon as you sort of let go of the idea of money as something to be held, it's the same thing. Let go of knowledge as something to be held. It should be shared. It should be focused. We should do it as a collaborative. That's really a long term of our industry is saying, how can we continue to collaborate our resources? How can we come together to serve this purpose? How can we come together to serve the patient, to the industry as a whole? That is something for me that... I think I have I, I have let go of sort of that monetary component and saying, no, I need to use money as a resource to help others. And that's why for me, I say that I can't be bought. There isn't enough money in the world that can change my ideals of helping people. There's not enough money in the world that can change my ideals of helping the patient or serving the patient. Sure. And so what that a lot, what that lends me is a uh, big corporation comes in and unloads a dump truck full of money. Yeah, cool, whatever. A corporation comes in, dump loads a huge truck full of money and opens a clinic right next door and I'm financially ruined. Well, I don't value money. I'm always going to be able to be a force of change within the industry. I'm always going to be able to help help people, and I'm very savvy in that. I understand that I'll always have the ability to um, have stability long term. 
that's my long-term goal is to only ever look at it from the perspective of servitude and how we can help others and help the industry as a whole. The short-term goal most immediately is how do we roll out those ideals to everybody? Um, and that's where we actually have settled upon the education portal on our website is that's going to be live here within a couple of months and it's going to grow with time. It's not going to be perfect right away, but the short-term goal is take that and give it away. I don't value it from a monetary standpoint. This is not going to be a short-term goal where we turn it for quick cash, buy and sell memberships to our website. That's not the point. Mm -hmm. The short-term goal is let's teach more people. Let's get more people in the mindset of, Oh yeah, we can definitely take this profession over. We can definitely take this industry over. Mm -hmm. We don't have to all be corporatized. We can all have local ownership, local power, local influence. Uh, so long-term goal, force a change, short-term goal. Let's give it away. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a pretty good one. Bree, I want to say thank you very much for coming in. I know it's, it's stressful to hear your own voice and and watch yourself get recorded on a computer screen and all that sort of stuff. But you did well. uh, Yeah, you did did very well. Um, but yeah, I mean, any final, I don't, I don't have any final thoughts. I think we wrapped that up pretty darn well. So, so so yeah, Dr. Carlo, if you want to take us out, we will head into next week, I guess. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.